Welcome to The Bitterest Pill. It's Dan Class. I'm in a, a, a box behind someone's garage here in Orange County, California. Formerly of Los Angeles, formerly uh, under the flight path, now uh, in scorching hot OC. Although it's not scorching hot today, it's 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 cloudy. Don't worry, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rub the weather in. It's cloudy and gloomy here, and you would hate it, and you don't want to move here. Okay, so please don't do it. Don't don't come here from wherever you are. We have we have plenty of people in California. We're doing fine. Just stay put. Thank you. You've got an internet connection. You don't need you don't need to come here. Everything's cool. So hi, how, how, how have you been? I, I have uh, been well, but yeah, I'm here in, I'm here in Orange County. I am not in LA County, which means uh, very little to you because my voice, you know, it doesn't really matter where I am, does it? Because my voice comes out of your, uh, whatever, your car or your phone, your, uh, eight track player, whatever. I don't know what your problem is. You know what I mean? Um, and there it, and right there it is. Okay, fine. So, uh, uh, uh. Now, a couple of uh, podcasts ago, my daughter was on, and she was talking about her, um, this is just a little trivia before I get back into the story. Uh, she was talking about her ballet teacher slash acting mentor, Grace Fulton. And then literally two days later, after re- recording that podcast, we found out that she is one of the stars of the upcoming Shazam movie. Now, I'm not crystal clear, honestly, on what Shazam even is. It's a DC thing. It's a comic book movie. It's a superhero movie. So basically, Grace Fulton is uh, one of the stars of a superhero movie for DC. She plays like the number one young lady, apparently. Now, I'm so confused because I don't know. Is Shazam the name of a person or is the person Captain Marvel? Or Captain... Well, it wouldn't be Captain Marvel if it's DC, right? I'm so... I'm so lost because I thought Captain Marvel was going to be a woman. Now I thought it was Blake Lively or something, and I don't. I don't want to keep. I don't want to have to keep up with Marvel and DC and Star Trek and Star Wars. I don't. I don't want to do it. And that's really why I don't even want to talk to you about Game of Thrones or The Hobbit or Firefly or Battlestar Galactica because I cannot keep all of this stuff straight. I go to Star Wars movies and Marvel movies, and that I'm done. I'm done, and it's not. It's really not brand loyalty. It's, uh, uh, I just don't want to be that confused. Now, recently, you might have heard in the news, and I, I think this made national news. So near my daughter's school, of course, because <laughs> why wouldn't there be excitement near where I am now? So we heard on the news and then we saw in the news, we couldn't believe it. So near this, it turns out near my daughter's school, um, there is a car managed to become airborne and crash into a dental office. Okay, not not that surprising. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but it's not that surprising. The second story of a dental office. Now, how do you crash a car into the second story of a building? I have no idea. So, so Tulu and I went over there, and we were thinking, oh, okay, I think I know where that is. I think it's near the freeway, where the freeway goes over 17th Street in Santa Ana. I bet, you know, they were high or whatever, obviously. And they, because we had heard they'd hit a median of some kind. I bet they meant, like, 
the median that keeps you on the on-ramp. And they somehow made a weird turn and they flew off the off-ramp into the second story of this building. But we went over there and we looked and, listen, I'm no physics uh, professor, but I got to tell you something. There's no way that they could, because they would have had to fly. They would have had to have flown, like defied gravity to get from the freeway to the second, right, to the building at all but let alone stay high enough to be on the second story. But if you look around the street, there's no like there's nowhere to come from to end up on the second story of this building. So finally, my daughter and I, Tolu, you know, we had the uh, insight to, oh, you know what we should do is uh, search YouTube because everything's on YouTube. And I'll post a link on the, you know, the post for this episode. So what happened was, and who knew this was physically possible? A car was going very, very fast and was not slowing down. And it went from a tiny little residential street and was inevitably going to cross a very major street, a street with two or three lanes of traffic in each direction and a median in between, a median. And I don't think, no, the median doesn't have, didn't have like a barrier, but it was a normal median that you would build in any normal street that has, you know, a curb, you know, it goes curb, grass. And in this case, it actually goes curb, grass, trees, line of trees, and then some more grass, and then the other curb on the other side, and then the other direction of traffic, right? This car, and I've seen the video. You've got to see the video. The car has got to be doing, I don't know, what, 50, 60? Goes straight across the southbound lane. Narrowly missing oncoming traffic. Luckily, as it's going over the median is between two trees. It hits the median. The median acts like a jump, like evil Knievel jump over Snake River Canyon. It hits the median. The median launches the car into the air. Its front end crashing and lodging into the side of a building. And while it's flying through the air, just as it crosses the northbound lanes, a bus passes by. So this car somehow narrowly escapes killing whoever was in that sedan, hits the median, becomes airborne, narrowly misses crashing into the side of a public bus and is launched with such height and such velocity into the side of a dental office. Listen, wonders never cease. Wonders never cease. And and on a very serious note before we commence. So, and I'm not really clear why this made national news. But there's a national news story right now about a young uh, man, I think he was a freshman or sophomore in college at UPenn, who was recently, under somewhat mysterious circumstances, murdered, okay, here in Southern California. Uh, His name was uh, Blaze Bernstein, and as it turns out, 
And this is, you know, it's a horrible enough story, but as it turns out, my daughter's best friend has known him all her life. The parents, like the best friend's parents and Blaze's parents are best friends. So to say that the whole thing is close to home is an understatement. So if you're the kind of person to send good vibes somebody's way, uh, the Bernsteins could use it. They lost apparently an absolutely wonderful, uh, gentle gentleman of a young man and uh, in a very strange and bizarre and brutal way. Uh, my heart absolutely bleeds for them and for Toulouse friends family who, you know, they, they, you know, they consider the Bernsteins, the Bernsteins, however you pronounce that, family. And so, yeah, man, it's weird. And, you know, whenever I want to be parent-noid, you know, then I can kind of talk myself off the ledge, right? But the truth is, this was a somewhat fairly random thing. Now, listen, it's going to turn out that it wasn't quite so random, but still, like, you just don't know. So if you're a parent, or you're going to be a parent, you, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you have those crazy paranoid thoughts, and sometimes apparently they're completely justified. So I'm now even more for bugging your kids about their whereabouts than ever before, even when your kids, quote-unquote, are actually adults. Because the Bernsteins are in that weird position that that everybody eventually who has kids finds themselves in. I'm in this situation now where my kid, one of my kids, who still seems like a very young person, is an adult. Which means if anything ever happened to him, I no longer have just point, you know, uh, carte blanche permission to know what's going on with him. If he ended up in the hospital or ended up in some sort of legal trouble or whatever, just because I'm his father, he's an adult now. And that's a weird, weird, weird thought. So I I don't know if I uh, need to hypnotize him and then somehow get him to sign over right power of attorney or or something, but I got to somehow have access to the records if anything goes south, man. Not because I can do anything, but I, but I can call someone that can do something and I can show them the papers or whatever it is, right? I don't know anything. I just know that I'm paranoid and I, I right, need to have access. That's all I know. Okay, so that was it, right? Grace, that was the catching up I wanted to do. So basically we know a movie star and um, we've seen a flying car and... Our hearts uh, bleed for Blaze. Okay, so. Last we spoke, uh, I was telling you the story of going to podcast movement. And how really I realized that, um, and listen, I realize a lot of things. And unfortunately, I realize a lot of things all at once. And so it's very hard for me to kind of parse them out sometimes, right? So basically, so. As you know, so I had to go to podcast. I didn't have to go, but you know what I mean. I went to podcast movement and um, I did a little session and I got this wonderful uh, honor 
of being in a Hall of Fame. And they gave me a trophy and I made a speech and I realized, you know, maybe for the first time since I don't even know when, maybe since, since I was doing plays in high school, you know what I mean? You do a, if, listen, if you're a, especially a straight guy and when I was in the high school, right, you do a play. We were taken seriously, like girls that were into plays, we're into guys that were, right? We look good. We're in good costumes, we, I, right? I blew dry the hell out of my hair and we would do a little Shakespeare and, then, you know, you right? Certain doors would become ajar. But I figure, listen, I am a very insecure, middle-aged, bald, bespeckled, neurotic man. This may be my last chance to get any attention from women whatsoever. So I better make it good. Now, you know me. I'm, I'm self-sabotaging. So, of course, I almost... Well, I'm, self, I'm self-sabotaging, but also I know not to trust myself. Now, listen... Let's be very clear. I want to. Let's be very clear, and I'm not even sure how to tell all of this, without seeming like a much bigger a hole than I actually am. Because the truth is, honestly, I, I like to think that I'm an a hole. I'm not. I'm really not an a hole. Sometimes I'm in a bad mood, or sometimes I kind of, uh, you know, say more of my a holey thoughts than my nice person thoughts. Because everybody else is saying nice person thoughts, so who cares? So I want to. I want to be super clear at every moment. But the one thing I want to be clear about is this. I'm not saying that I thought that that evening or the next whatever during that weekend was going to be my big chance to cheat on my wife, okay? That's not what I'm saying because there's no chance in hell that I would do that. I could not live with it. I could not hide it. My wife would find out and she would kill me or I would do myself some sort of injury because I would just be so riddled with guilt. I would re- probably lose mobility in my leg. You know what I mean? It would be a thing. So let's be super clear. I am not saying, insinuating, I'm not right about that I, my interest was to cheat on my wife. My interest was partially... And I'm not saying this is that much better. I wanted to have the opportunity to cheat on my wife. Now, you, now that seems like a fine line, but it's also the Grand Canyon, okay? Because, listen, in, in this age of, uh, you know, the post-Weinstein America, where people are going around and plying women with drinks and promises of stardom, or they're just whipping it out and, you know what I mean, in a hotel room or whatever this crazy crap is that these guys are doing. That's one end of a spectrum. And then apparently there are guys over on the other end, my end of the spectrum, who don't want to have essentially non-consensual sexual contact with women. Actually, they want to have completely and utterly consensual, but ultimately non-contact contact with women. Do you understand the distinction? Because it's not a fine point. It's a very huge point. It's a big Sharpie. It's not a little fine Sharpie. It's one of those big ones that you really just should write... You, you, write your name on like a lunchbox or something. This is not fine print, okay? I 
And I'm not proud of this. I'm just telling you the truth. I wanted consent. Or at least someone to, someone to give me the impression that under different circumstances, Dan, based on your whatever, not your power, because I have no power, not your money, because I have no money. And maybe that's how you end up on the other end of the spectrum. I have no idea. But listen, considering your limited resources and the governor on your attractiveness due to your age, height, follicle uh, depreciation, etc., etc., I still kind of uh, might get a little horny for you. That's all I need to not want to, like, jump off a bridge. And the night that you get an award like that might be your only night, right? But the problem is, it's re- you got to keep in mind it's me, right? So, I can never... Well, basically, look... I don't want to get in trouble, but I do want to get in trouble. Now, this is why I don't drink. A lot of people are like, hey, Dan, why don't you drink? And I always say, oh, hypoglycemia. And that's true. But the real truth of why I don't drink is I don't want to get in trouble. Because when I drink, I want to get in trouble. And I don't know why. And I know it's irrational. And I know it's adolescent. But it's the truth. Now, also, I don't drink because I have low blood sugar. And I don't drink because there is an amazing connection between alcoholism and uh, my genetics, apparently. So I don't want to get stuck in there too, right? So, and also I'm antisocial, really. But what happens is, oh shoot, I didn't look up, uh, oh God, what an idiot. Okay. Ah, darn it. Okay, well, I was going to look up somebody's name because um, sometimes when I'm doing the show... Uh, you know, I have so much in RAM that I need to write certain things down. I don't write out the show. And really, I don't even write down bullet points anymore. But sometimes I have to write down people's names, um, which is really bad. Like, I don't forget people, but I do forget (sighs) names. Anyway, so... So they give me an award and I say some things. And and I got to tell you, and I'm not joking, I don't remember what I said. I got a few laughs and that's really... All I needed. I, I, I wanted to I, I wanted to get a few laughs and seem um, like I was maybe smart or just a little bit of a jerk. but and leave that kind of mystery to the audience. And I think in that I, I succeeded. Now what I really should have done is just been charming and kind of sexy, right? Charming and, and you know me, I'm very charming and excruciatingly sexy. And so I should have just not downplayed that with my assholery, but sometimes I just can't control myself. So, and and plus I needed a drink very badly, a beverage, a water beverage. I was parched. And I don't know if you've ever uh, been in those, you know, my, my, my experience with anything like this, whether it's uh, performing a play or stand up or teaching traffic school or what, you know what I mean? Like it's always, there's, there, it's a different experience from being in the audience than being the ones that end up on stage. And what I mean by that is like, 
I at least constantly have this experience of it's almost showtime. It's almost showtime. It's almost showtime. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then you take the stage and then you're like, here I am. And then you do your thing and da da da. And then you get off stage and then all that adrenaline goes away. And right about the time that you're getting your sea legs, you look around you and realize everyone's gone. And there's just like one guy who's running one of those little sweeping things on the carpet and another guy stacking chairs. So by the time I kind of get my head back together, you know, the night is over. Everyone's leaving. I was going to try to, you know, like say hi to Dr. Drew. I've been a big Dr. Drew fan for a long time. I didn't get a chance to see him. Although I got to tell you something. Have you ever stopped to think that he, like he's a very tall, handsome man? And because he's a doctor and a clinical, et cetera, et cetera, whatever his long list of accolades and accomplishments is, I never really stopped to think. And he also has a face for TV and is tall and thin and good looking. It's kind of gross. Well, luckily, you know, my man Dave Jackson is not going to leave me hanging. So at some point in this mix, and I'm, oh, no, that's what it was. We saw each other when we were still in there, and we were chatting in, in the hall, in the, you know, the big empty room that they turned into a thing, right? What do you call that? Not a conference room, but it's essentially, you know, a ballroom. Ballroom, there you go. Empty hotel ballroom. Thank you. So, um, Dave Jackson and I are trying to figure out what to do. And, um, and then we're joined by, uh, Mark, who is, uh, like podcast gear junkie. You know what I mean? Like really knows his mics and all that stuff. And Mark's, Mark's a cool, you know, cool dude, long hair, very easy to just kind of hang out with. And then this guy comes up and he's, starts talking to us and he's like, Hey Dan, I, you know, I, I think he said he even listens to the show. Is that what it was? Yeah. I think he says like, Hey Dan, um, yeah, I really like your show and I've been listening for a while and I do a podcast and, da, da, da. and I'm like, Oh, okay. And, yeah. Hey, that's great. You know, whatever. And he seems like a decent guy, but I figure this is one of those stop and chat things. So I'm kind of being like, yeah, yeah that's great, man. You know, uh, Jackson and I are going to a party. <laughs> like, so, well, apparently this guy who listens, I think, to my podcast is coming with us. Oh, okay. Well, it turns out, <laughs> freaking awesome guy. And unfortunately, I, like, I'm totally blanking on his name right now, and I should probably edit his name into this before I upload it because I feel like such a jerk. But anyway, so Funk Man, he, he basically does this funk podcast. And um, so I'm going to just call him for now the Funk Master. So, so, so it's me, Dave Jackson, School of Podcasting, Mark with the long hair, and the Funk Master. And Funk Master, African-American guy, he's got to be 6'2 or something. And the reason I bring that up is because I am a very small, pale man. So, so right? So it's me, the funk master, very tall, thin guy, right? African-American guy, long-haired Mark, and Dave Jackson, who's got like the, the, the neat beard. Very presentable. I think he was wearing a suit, you know? Because Dave's an adult, so of course he's wearing a, right? he was, he's wearing a suit. He was going to be in front of an audience. I've got like a suit 
I've got like a sport jacket on that I got cheap and some white sneakers. Like, what the hell are you think? You know what I mean? Like, I, th- I always think I want to dress well. And then I always dress kind of like crap. So what we are going to do, I guess, is go down the street to some party. And the party is being thrown by some big company and I can't remember who it was. Because this was in August and it's now middle of January. But, let, you know, it was Stitcher, Panoply, or, or, or blah, 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 or whatever, Pod, blah, blah, whatever, I don't know, I, I don't recall. Um, but by the time, by the time we kind of, um, you know, I got my head together and we met up with Funkmaster and all that stuff and then finally ambled down there, some people were even already leaving, but we went up and it was, it was pretty crowded, Okay. So one of the first people that we run into is Luria Petrucci. I hope that's how you pronounce her name. Luria Petrucci. Luria, Callie Lewis? Now, Callie Lewis, Luria Petrucci, was one of the other uh, Hall of Famers from, from that evening. And I mentioned last week, she gave a wonderful, lovely speech. She's a wonderful, lovely human. She really is just like the nicest person. And so she and I start chatting, and I apologized for making a somewhat sexual joke about her. And, um, which later on, by the way, she and some other people were giving me uh, script notes on that joke, which I, I thought was <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> Every once in a while, my ego goes, hey, buddy, remember me? You know what I mean? It was just like, because <laughs> the joke was, I, I told you what the joke was, that Luria and Grammar Girl had been on my, um, my uh, get out of you know a free pass or whatever thing, right? And I told Luria that I didn't. What was it? Oh, that I didn't want to do the joke if I found out that she was gay, because I didn't want the joke to be that she didn't want to have sex with me because she doesn't like men. I wanted the joke to be that she doesn't want to have sex with me because I'm me. Right? And and everybody keeps trying to convince me that no, the joke would be funny if it if it had turned out that she was a lesbian, which she is not. But but it but they're saying no, if she was a, that would be funny. And I'm like, no, it's not funny. Because again, she she I want her to reject me, not all guys. Like but it's just, anyway, it's weird. It just was weird. So, so I'm standing, I'm talking to Luria, who, I, who I've never met before this party. I've never spoken with her. We've never emailed each other. But I've, I've known who she is and been a fan of hers for, I don't know, 13, 10, 13 years. And I kind of, I'm, I'm chatting with her. And the longer I chat, the longer I'm waiting, you know, for her to reveal that she also is a somewhat cynical person or that she has some flaw. You know what I mean? Like maybe she has a lisp or a, like she's a, a racist or something. Or I'm just waiting for her to say something to like kind of dispel this image that I have of her of just being like this super nice person. And the longer we talk, the more convinced I am that th- this moment that I'm waiting for is never going to come that she really is just like kind of this nice person. 
having it just like a nice, normal, successful, happy life, which I'm very happy for her, by the way. I know you can't hear it in my voice, but, but then I start feeling weird. I'm like, God, I feel kind of bad because I'm in like shtick mode. I'm not really in nice Dan mode. I'm in kind of like, I'm in bitterest pill mode. I'm not in Dan, normal Dan person mode because of having been on stage. The, the, the switch got flipped. And so I'm, I'm sort of being nice Dan, but I'm sort of also being the bitterest pill Dan. And I'm trying not to be the bitterest pill Dan, but I'm being the bitterest pill Dan. And this adorable young woman walks by. And I think she says hi to Luria. And I think at this point, I don't, e- I don't even remember how I came up. But, it, but, but at this point, she says something. I, maybe Paul was with me, Paul Colgan. And I think she says something like, oh, Paul. Maybe it was Teluria, but it was somebody about, we, a bunch of people were going to get together with Paul that morning before the conference to have breakfast and chat and whatever. And I was going to go, but I had to go to Target because I couldn't find a cable. So of course, Dan, of course, is at Target the morning before his big presentations, right? Of course, of course. So this adorable young woman says to someone right next to me, I didn't make it to the thing, and I was so looking forward to seeing you, blah, blah, blah. And then she kind of looks at me, and then kind of looks away. Now, again, I'm kind of in Dan Bitterest Pill mode, and I'm feeling my oats a little bit. And so I say to her, what about me? Like, you didn't care at all that you didn't, like, I... You know what I mean? So she left. So she says, no, in fact, I, I really wanted to see you uh, this morning because blah, blah, blah. And she kind of introduces herself. And I had the longest, most wonderful conversation with this young woman. And she was smart and funny and wide-eyed, but not naive. And we were joking in that kind of uh, like semi, uh, you know, like that semi-mean, almost flirtatious, or maybe it is, I don't know, way. You know what I mean? You're like biting each other a little bit. You know what I mean? To, To the point where Luria, at one point, because she's still standing there through part of this, looks at the girl and just like, I'm so sorry that you got dragged into this. But the young woman, she really kind of seemed to be into the conversation. You know what I'm saying? And it was really engaging. And she's like smiling and we're laughing and we're talking about all these crazy things. And the conversation will get kind of deep and then it'll get kind of weird and then it'll... Get just be light and fun. And, and this went on and on and on for what seemed like a very long time. And I started thinking, Dan, you might be somebody. You might finally have arrived. Like, they gave you that, that big glass award. Maybe now you're, right, maybe here. You're a celebrity, and you can kind of, you know, use that celebrity 
to be kind of like, I don't what, the David Duchovny of podcasting. If David Duchovny looked like David Cross. But still, you see my point. So we're talking and talking, and I think, you know, this girl might kind of like me. You know what I mean? Like, she's really, this is really, just, I'm really having a good time. And then, she says, oh, I should, uh, I should go or something. And then I said something, and then she said something. Something, something, and the reason I, and I don't remember what this part was, because then the next thing I knew she was, I, I was saying something like, oh, well, you'll have to listen to, you know, like, it's nice to have a fan of the show or something, 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 and she's walking away and she says, yeah, and I'll have to tell my boyfriend about your show, because he is a dad. And I want to scream, why are you saying boyfriend right now? You, do you realize that I have like 25 minutes invested in this little fantasy where some young, bright, attractive woman will talk to me and enjoy talking to me? Do you, under, do you understand that my life at home, my, my wife barely tolerates my existence. If it weren't for the fact that, that our daughter shared our DNA, I would be living in a box somewhere under a freeway overpass. Completely just dashed the whole thing. And so we were walking back, and it's early in the morning. I'm walking back to the hotel with the funk master and, and uh, Mark and, and Dave Jackson. And I was really bummed that she kind of like destroyed the fantasy that, that I was still alive. In, in some way. But the guys humored me. We went into 7-Eleven and I was able to get one of these peanut butter, gluten-free protein cookies that I tell myself are good for me when in fact they are, they're what's making me so goddamn fat. Excuse my language. And it's not to say that I didn't meet a bunch of guys and stuff like that. Of course, I met some great, I met that dude and the other guy and that big, tall, good-looking German dude. Never really even, I don't even know if he was a podcaster. He just looked like like a German model just walking around making me feel just tiny. And then the next night, so the next night there's a big luau. And I don't think I'd been around that day because I had to do something for my daughter or something. I don't know. And I'm looking around for people that I, that I know. You know what I mean? I don't see uh, Jackson. I don't see Paul. I don't see Mark. I don't see anybody I know. And eventually I run into uh, Elsie Escobar, who was also one of the Hall of Famers, and O.S. Ken from from OS Ken. I mean, he's just OS Ken. Like what, you know, he's like a legend. And I've known those two, you know, since the very beginning. So we're chatting and I'm, and I'm whining to them that, you know, what they do has value. And what I do is just distract people while they're driving, you know? 
And um, at some point in our conversation, I think I think I was still maybe even talking to them. A, another young. Well, and it, it, the youth isn't important. It's it's the it's the aliveness, and I have no idea the age of this person. But this woman comes up to me, again with like fire in her eyes, and she introduces herself. And then we start talking about podcasting and identity, and how you know sometimes you have a this identity and that. I like we had this again another like beautiful woman is talking to me, and we're having a deep conversation, and we're making right. I think someone says, I think my phone's ringing. Yeah, my wife's going to be mad because she's calling me right now and I'm not picking up my phone and I don't know where it is. So, so we're talking and talking and talking. This is, I'm just really enjoying this conversation. This very engaging woman. But I realized that I... Um, well, I really need to, to, to take a leak. And, you know, sometimes you can put that off for hours and sometimes, you know, not so much. And so I'm standing there having a conversation with her, her and maybe some other guy, the guy, one of the guys I met the night before. And I'm like, I, got, I, I can't do this anymore. I've got to duck into the hotel. How do, how do I stop this conversation, duck into the hotel, not seem like I'm trying to get out of the conversation? Because I don't want to be rude to anybody. But then continue the conversation. But continuing the conversation is not an option. So I excuse myself. And I go in. I, I become relaxed. And I come back out. And everybody is gone. Every, like, I was in there for 10 seconds, I swear, I'm a guy. How long are guys in there to go to do a little tinkle? Like, 10 seconds. I'm in there 10 seconds. I come out, and it, again, is like a guy sweeping up, you know, plastic lays, stacking the table, right? And they're gone. The woman, this belly dancer that I'd been talking to all night, whatever she, right? She's gone. The dude I was talking to, Elsie and Ken, they're gone. Everybody's gone. So the last day is, is just the day. There's no night on the last day. And I don't even remember. I think I went to a session. I think I went to Mark's... Mark uh, Asquith. Is that how you pronounce it? Mark Asquith? I don't know how to do an accent from wherever he's from. Manchester or something? I don't know. I think I went to... Mar whatever. I went to a session or two and... Um, and then, you know, that, that feeling comes of everything being over and that excitement coming to an end. And it dawned on me that, um, you know, all these people that I met were really wonderful. And it, and I realize that it's it's such a shame that um, that I'm a needy man, 
because um, because those women were not flirting with me. They were um, like just being normal people, just like the guys that I met were just being normal people. And it dawned on me that like that's how normal people act. I spend way too much time alone. And if I'm not alone, I'm in a crowded grocery store where everybody's on edge. Or in a crowded gas station where everybody's on edge. And these conversations that I had with these people, now yeah, the the beginning 10 seconds of the conversation may have been, uh, you know, lubricated by the fact that they recognized me from having given that speech or whatever, but but that's kind of where it ended. The rest of it was just colleagues talking. And that feeling that I felt was the feeling that I got from talking to the guys, from meeting, well, like lots of guys, Mark and Joel and the dude from the quiz show. And there were just all these people and seeing old friends and colleagues that I hadn't seen in in such a long time. It was just like, oh my God. I'm so glad that I came, but it had nothing to do with my session. It had nothing to do with the the trophy or the speech or or feeling like I might have been flirting with girls. Like, it has nothing to do with that. It was, it was being around people that are ambitious but not competitive with each other. It's what helped me get a job. It's, it's what helped me be happy to get a job and to be among people. To buy new shoes. Normal shoes that a normal person would wear to a normal job. Now, that's not to say that, that the people that I met, these, the young women that I'm referring to, weren't absolutely wonderful. They were, but so were the guys. So was everybody. Everyone I talked to. So if you ever get a chance to be around a bunch of people that you have that much in common with, go. Go, go, go. And I'm talking to myself as much as I am you because I'm not going to go again until it's close enough where I can drive, <laughs> probably, right? Because I'm cheap and lazy. But everybody's leaving and I'm uh, chit-chatting with Paul, making plans to uh, maybe hang out a little bit over in my neck of the woods before he has to fly out. And... um you know, a conference like that, there's just so much talk of, uh, you know, money and sponsors and strategies and all this kind of, you know, businessy stuff, this very kind of right, uh, left brain, you know what I mean? And I definitely start to feel like a relic and like a, you know, I'm, I, I'm not sure what I do. Am I even an entertainer or am I just a distractor? <laughs> like what, what's going on here? When I was on my tirade with Elsie and with Ken, I wasn't really being self-deprecating to get pity. I really feel like what they do, you know, Elsie's very involved in empowering women in podcasting. And Ken does these very informative Mac shows and a couple other shows too. But, uh, you know, like, like there's a value to it. I just complain about my life. And that was starting to really kind of depress me. I was starting to feel like just not ambitious enough and not focused enough. 
And I was going to talk to Paul about a lot of that kind of stuff. And then a guy came from one of the big companies that does podcasting research and just sort of swept him away. But right before he swept him away, uh, a young woman walked by. Everyone's a young woman to me. Trust me, when you're my age, everybody's a young woman. So a young woman walks by and she's, she's carrying like a blackboard or something or a whiteboard. She's struggling with it slightly. But she's a- absolutely just this adorable, blonde, just bubbly human, just like, oh my God, please befriend me. So she stops and is talking to Paul, and then she introduces herself and says, oh my God, I listened to your show. I think you're so funny and so great. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice. And I don't, you know, when people say stuff like that, it, it's very, listen, it's very nice, but I'm very quick to discount it because I'm neurotic. But, uh, so it's, it was Ramona Rice. I don't know if you're familiar with Ramona Rice. What, an, what a doll. And so everybody's kind of leaving, and Ramona has to be somewhere. And so I start walking kind of with her toward where she's going, because we're still kind of chit-chatting. And she said, you know, you really helped me. And I'm like, oh, oh dear. Helped you, what, like, in, like to just turn on your microphone and ramble every <laughs> once every six months. Look what, what, what are you, you know, what are you talking about? She said, no, when my husband died, it was very hard. And, um, you know, the, the days were really tough because we had two kids, two young, young kids. And I stopped sleeping. And I would lay in my bed and listen to you talk to me. And that really helped me get through it. So thank you. And that fact means more than any sponsorship ever could. Any write-up in any magazine, and certainly any non-contact-based consent. All right, that was uh, The Bitter's Pill once again. Uh, Thank you so much for downloading the show. I really appreciate it. Listen, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This show is made possible thanks to our patrons who uh, support the show through Patreon, especially uh, patrons like Megan, Sean Stewart, Daniel Kaikendal, Brom Lasagna, Jay Savistrano, Peter Chase, Jim Cariotis, Mike Scott Alexander Hamilton, Jeff Short, Rob Usadin, Dave, The Man, Jackson, Harold Goldner Esquire, Flores, David Chase and Gerard Cordonez, and Tom Carroll. Help Dan keep the show going? Become a patron of The Bitterest Pill today. Just go to www.patreon.com. At patreon.com slash Class. If you're so inclined, uh, please. Music this episode was Little Lilies written by Tritachion. All right, thank you so much. So next week, uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. We will see. 
I'm sure there's something that I'll... Oh, that's right. We never talked... Right. Something like that. Okay. So listen, it's, uh, of course, thebitterestpill.com. If you ever want to drop me a line, it's pill at danclass.com. If you go to the website, I think there might even be a phone number if you wanted to leave a message. I have no idea. But I just never do those things like, hey, leave us a review on iTunes. But I guess you could. Does anybody even do that anymore? No. Okay. Listen, I'm going to stop babbling. Uh, Thank you to everyone that I met at Podcast Movement. Uh, It was really a joy to talk to you. Um, I just, just so many great folks were there. It was great to see all my old buddies. Of course, thank you to Gary Leland, who's Gary. Gary claims that I'm his first internet friend, which is I'm an honored. Uh, I'm honored to have heard that. But uh, anyway, thank thank you to all of them, and thank you, of course, to all of you for listening. Uh, thank you for humoring me, and uh, please drive safely or shop safely or whatever you're doing, uh, do it safely and cautiously, please. Please. Okay, bye.